This is the London Live Podcast. Listen live weekdays from 1 to 3 on 980 CFPL. Great to have you with us. Lots to come on the show. Brett Kissel is going to join us a little later on. We'll talk about his new single coming out tomorrow. We'll talk about coming back to London, a place that just seems to bring him good luck. One of Juno here. He's had some great performances here. He'll have another one at Park Jam. We'll also talk about taking three kids on the road with him when the oldest one is three. How has that been? Does he warm up playing Wiggles songs or, or Disney tunes? They'd be in your head most of the time. That's on a tour bus. So we'll talk with Brad Kissel a little later on in the show. We are going to meet Miss T, but we'll go behind the scenes enough to be able to call her Misty. Misty Craig is going to join us. She has started up something that is caught on in this area. It is... Halloween-esque, even though here we are just early on in September, never too early to think about your Halloween costumes, but Halloween-esque in the way that she creates horror dolls, and she's really good at it. Some of these things are really scary. I will tweet out a picture of many of them in just a little while at Stubbs980, and with this being kind of a, a school-themed week, there have been a lot of studies released. There's been a lot of information released about how students adjust and how best to get them to adjust. If they play team sports, they are going to have a better chance of being well-adjusted in school. If they take music class, and we know that there's been a battle for funding just for musical instruments in many school boards for a long time, but if they can play an instrument, that will help them to be better adjusted. The sleep factor is something else that is really really kind of being better understood, I think. You talk to athletes these days, they mention sleep. I don't know why we don't take more time and look at it from a student perspective. No school should start at 8.30 in the morning, 8 o'clock in the morning. They're not ready for it. That's not the way that their clocks work, but that's a topic for another day. But see what I mean? There are so many different issues that have crept up, but there's one in particular that really goes a whole lot further on the concern meter, way further than is your child playing team sports? Is your child playing a musical instrument? Is your child getting enough sleep? And it's something that came out this week, and it catches your attention because it deals with kids who are dying needlessly by suicide. and. We have Children First Canada that has been able to to really help us to understand some of the factors involved in this. And we're very lucky to have the Managing Director of Children First Canada with us on London Live, Stephanie Mitten. Stephanie, thanks so much for taking some time for us. Thank you for having me. Team sports, musical instruments, sleep, all of those things are nice, but... What we're talking about right now, uh, this is something that we need to all stop and pay attention to. What are you finding with regard to mental health supports for students who are, you know, still in the very young stages of their life in this country? Mm -hmm, Yeah, one of the things that is certainly surprising, I think, is how young 
some of the kids that are experiencing mental health challenges actually are. And maybe surprising to a lot of people is that suicide is, in fact, the second leading cause of death for Canadian children. And when we put it into perspective, it's also one in five have considered committing suicide in this past year. That is a really big number um, and certainly something that, that needs better attention. Stephanie, what do you think? Is it because we're starting to ask children these questions that maybe we're getting numbers like one in five, or do you think that's always been there? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I think certainly we've seen an uptake in some of these numbers, which could, some of it can be definitely considered attributed to, you know, the hospitalization rates are higher. Well, are doctors getting better at identifying these situations? Um, and I think at the end of the day, it almost doesn't matter. <laughs> the numbers are still too high and are, you know, bringing to light uh, a major problem. And um, we've released this report this week. It's a 10 threats to childhood, and that is one of one of the things that uh, really needs to be addressed in Canada. Well, the number, you can look at it from a different number of platforms. It exists. We have a great friend of the show, Polly O'Byrne, who has a website, I'm One in Five, that talks about mental illness mm-hmm. and, and talks yeah. about just how prevalent it is, and that's something that we certainly have learned more and more about. So when we look at it from a student perspective, just let us know some of the things that, that you made public in releasing what you did this week. Yeah, so some of the other, you know, top threat, accidents and preventable injuries are the leading cause of death for children in Canada, which people may not know. Suicide is the second. Um, other things that are maybe a bit surprising is child abuse. We have one-third of Canadians experiencing some form of child abuse before they're 16. That is another staggering number. Um, some of the other things on the list, just to quickly note them, poverty, infant mortality, obesity, food insecurity, immunization, discrimination, and bullying. And these are major things affecting kids in Canada, I think, it's surprising to many, but this is is the reality of where we're really at. Yeah. I mean, we could walk down any sidewalk anywhere in the country right now, and we could say, how many people do you think under the age of 16 are victims of child abuse? No way would somebody say, well, 30% of this country or more. No way would somebody say that. Right. And that's, that's part of releasing a report like this around an election time, right, is to draw attention to these issues. Because when you pull Canadians, they'll say, you know, Canada must rank, you know, the top five or 10 country in the world for child well-being. And the reality is we're 25th of 41. So we're really not where people think we are. And then when it comes to attention around election time, these issues aren't necessarily top of mind to leaders. It's not the issues that people are necessarily bringing up at the doors because they don't know that they're as significant as they are. So it's really a chance to educate ourselves, to make it our responsibility to know what's going on, and then, you know, participate in the process. Uh, Children First Canada's website, www.childrenfirstcanada.com, um, we're including information about how do you take action, you know, just tips, like somebody comes to your door, Ask them about these threats. What are they going to do about them? If there's a campaign debate, uh, go to it and ask these questions. There are things that, that you can do. So instead of just looking at the numbers and feeling devastated, let's turn that into action. Well said. Stephanie Mitten joining us, Managing Director of Children First Canada. When you look at services available, obviously we're going to see different types of services available in different centres across the country. But overall, do you feel that students have the resources or the people that they can turn to to make use of if they are either dealing with anxiety or, or even dealing with depression? 
No, I think certainly more needs to be done. There, there are services, but it's a, it's a, it's a patchwork of services in, in many cases. And um, a lot of the time in certain services also comes down to what you can pay. Uh, one of the, you know, acts that we're calling for on federal leaders is a pan-Canadian strategy for children. And that is partially to get at some of the issues that you're talking about. You look at the country, um, you know, a pan-Canadian strategy would look federally and also work with the provinces to make national strategies around some of these issues. Because when you get into jurisdictions, they're very different and the support is different um, across the country. Even when you get down to booster seats, not every province has a requirement that you have to have booster seats. So these types of things that we're asking for, like a pan-Canadian strategy, we feel like we'll really get at some of those root problems. And how do you feel something like that would be beneficial? Is it the framework it could provide or the the consistency it could provide? What do you see as being the, the real thing that, that would make that important? Yeah, I think consistency is definitely uh, something that would be helpful, especially when we see some jurisdictions maybe don't have things that we do know save lives like booster seats. Um, and just to give it the proper attention, national attention, because I think at the end of the day, a lot of this comes down to pro- political will. We know what a lot of the issues are. We know a lot of what a lot of the solutions are, but they need proper attention and funding. And unless we give that proper attention, those other issues aren't going to be addressed. And you raise a great point that when you're talking at the door with politicians, it's not an eight-year-old who's coming to the door to have a nice long chat with a politician who's knocking on doors in the yeah. neighborhood saying, you know what my school's like, here's what we need. That's That's not it. So the voice for the voiceless comes in, doesn't it? Absolutely. And we like to say, you know, kids are a quarter of the population, but they're 100% of our future. So it's not just the right thing for them, but it's the right thing for the country as a whole and its prosperity. Uh, So if we want to make a difference, like we really do have to be their voice. And um, we often use a hashtag like if kids could vote, right? (laughs) Because they, they just don't have that opportunity to have a voice. And that's you know, as I said earlier, like one of the reasons we don't see a lot of these issues brought up when we're talking to leaders is because they can't vote. So we have to be their voices. Stephanie Benton joining us, Managing Director of Children First Canada, as we talk about where kids do sit and we talk about some information released this week by Children First Canada that deals with a lot of numbers you wouldn't believe that a third of children who are 16 and under are victims of child abuse, that one in five kids has thought about suicide in the past year we know that resources can go to so many different places stephanie where do you believe that that we need more resources would it be for online things would it be for person-to-person things would it be programs Mm -hmm. within schools where would you slot it if you had it right well that's somewhat a difficult question i mean that's where i would bring it back to making sure that the proper attention is being paid because we can't even get down to that level because there isn't the attention <laughs> attention to even have those conversations. So three things that we're really me- recommending, especially at the federal level, when we talk about the election, are a commissioner for children and youth. Um, issues federally sit in many different departments. So at the end of the day, how do we pull this together to have this champion for children? A pan-Canadian strategy for kids that will look at these issues, and then also a children's budget. So, and this gets down to the money that you were speaking to. How do we make sure that there's adequate resources 
are they being directed to the to the threats and the right types of issues? Um, and just to add that if people go to our website, as I had mentioned before, uh, www.childrenfirstcanada.com, we're also tracking the threats against um, announcements that are being made around party platforms. So if people are interested in, okay, for child abuse, like, are any of the federal parties doing anything about it? We're, we're keeping track. So people can uh, take a look on our website for that because we're going to keep it updated. Great stuff. Stephanie, thank you for taking some time and thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for having me. Take care. Bye. Stephanie Mitten, Managing Director of Children First Canada. And we bring this up a lot on London Live because it deserves mentioning. The idea that you know we can sit here and rule the world all we want or play our role in ruling the world, the future's in the hands of the kids. And I can't wait for some of them to take the reins because I think we're in really good shape that way. But at the same time, where is the voice for kids? And and where is the resource money? It will not come to the the top of the list for leaders who are making the rounds because – if you were to say, okay, I'm going I'm to spend all this money on this program here, are you going to get that kickback for the election? And unfortunately, that's the game that's being played right now. Brett Kissel is a guy who just seemed born into country music, started to play music at a very young age and has a great story about sending a note to Johnny Cash after recording his first album at about the age of 12 and actually got a letter back from Johnny Cash. And it's something that, that just kind of has, he's, he's intertwined. He's kind of flowed with it throughout his life and has been incredibly successful. As a new album coming out in the next few months. Best news, though, is he is on stage at Park Jam at Harris Park tomorrow night. And maybe even the best, best news is the fact that Brett Kissel joins us now. Brett, welcome to London Live. You're headed back to London. You've won a Juno here. You've performed here all kinds of times. We are thrilled to get you back for Park Jam tomorrow. Well, thanks, buddy. I mean, I appreciate the invitation to always come back. London is such an incredible city, and I often say it in interviews across Canada and around the world that, you know, one of my favorite places to ever perform has been London, Ontario, and the reason why is because of the people, because of the party, uh, and uh, I don't know, it's, it's like been my good luck city, so I can't wait to come back on Friday. Okay, fantastic. Now, you have been making your way across the country in in something that maybe people wouldn't necessarily picture. We can picture the tour bus, right? We we know that yep. that exists in the music world. Your tour bus might be the most unique tour bus going. Let's see if we have this right. Uh, you You're traveling with your family, and the oldest child that is on the bus is three, and there are how many kids now on the bus? Oh, that's hilarious. I mean, yeah, I know. It's a, it's a kid's carnival rolling down the highway. Uh, it's three kids. Mila's our oldest. She's three. Aria is next in line. She's two. And then baby Leo, he's seven months old now. And, you know, he's just learning to crawl and stuff like that. It's, um, it's a beautiful chaos. But for me, Mike, honestly, 
it's been one of my uh, my greatest accomplishments is being able to have my family be with me in these special moments where we're all traveling, we're all going across Canada, we're seeing the same sights, and we don't have to really miss each other because we get to be together. Man, can you imagine telling the story one day? Yeah, I learned to crawl on a tour bus traveling across the country as my dad performed night after night. That's that's a story already. Leo's seven months old. I think it's pretty cool because you know what? We're we're obviously watching a lot of uh, a lot of Disney for the girls, but uh, you know what? Whenever I get control of the remote, I'm always putting it on hockey highlights and sports and stuff like that. We're watching baseball, and it's it's just it's a great it's a great way of life to go up and down you know these highways, go to every province and every territory we've now been as a family, and get to experience these things together. You know what? I, it's a moment of uh, uh, gratitude to be honest, because I remember my parents and my grandparents. Uh, my grandparents celebrated their 50th anniversary, and my parents celebrated their 25th in the same year. And they made a trip to the Maritimes to go see Prince Edward Island and Newfoundland and Nova Scotia, New Brunswick. And I remember, you know, how excited they were for that. They saved that for the biggest trip of their lives. And yet, you know, as a family, we've been able to go out to the East Coast maybe a dozen times now in the last two years. So we feel very, very lucky to see Canada this way. We're talking with Brett Kissel. He will be on stage at Park Jam at Harris Park tomorrow night. Last time he was in London, he was winning a Juno for Country Album of the Year. Five nominations for the Canadian Country Music Awards coming up. That'll be a lot closer to your home in, in just a, a few days. And then you look at the fact that you have a new song that will debut tomorrow and the album seems to be going really, really well. How how has this album compared to maybe the last two, both that went gold? Well, I mean, thank you for for bringing that up. I think it's a great question. I think the biggest thing is you always need to elevate your game. And I honestly, I'll credit the City of London, I'll credit the Juno Awards for this. When our last record called We Were That Song won the country album of the year, my mindset changed. The bar was raised. I think the game was changed. We needed to make sure that we did everything that we could to elevate ourselves in my team and myself as an artist and a songwriter and a creator to do something bigger and better with this next project. So to be honest, I went back to the drawing board. I, I, I wrote new songs. I worked harder. I, I kind of scrapped a lot of the stuff that I was doing because I know that it was just kind of the same. I needed this to be bigger and better. So it's, it's tough to say exactly what I did. I think a lot of it was just a mindset. So when the new song obviously drops tomorrow, um, I'm really excited to see what the fans think about it because, you know what, I, I tried to sing harder, sing better, uh, write better um, for this so that everything that we do just kind of elevates. And, uh, and I think we're going to do that with this first song and with the new record that comes out on actually, uh, we're announcing it today, um, you know, January the 1st. It comes out uh, for, we're calling it like a New Year's revolution it's going to be because while everybody's nursing a hangover, you may as well listen to brand new Brett Kissel music. <laughs> I love it. Brett Kissel joining us on London Live. Brett, you're a guy that really does an excellent job incorporating life experience into your songs. You're not writing, you know, with Disney references and wiggles yet, I imagine, but but how has the way that your life is going, how, how does that change in your songwriting? You know, it's a, that's a, that's another great question. For me, a lot of the things that I do now I have to come from a, a real point of, of passion and, and say things that matter. You know, if I'm going to talk about a, a song about, say, tough times or, 
or heartbreak and heartache. I want to make sure I dig a little deeper um, to really kind of, uh, I don't know, just draw on the experiences that I've had or the experiences that maybe my co-writers have had or stories that I've heard to make sure that I take it to another level. When it comes to even the party songs, okay, sometimes you think, all right, it's just a party song. You're just throwing a couple words that rhyme and a good melody and away you go. But I actually want to make sure that I capture some of the best times that I've ever had because those days, in a lot of ways, are over. You know, I mean, uh, and, and I don't say this negatively. I'm very happy with where I'm at as a dad and a young husband. But my days in, in uh, you know, in my late teens and early 20s, you know, with my wife, without a care, traveling the world and parting our faces off, I mean, we're hopefully going to experience that, you know, when the kids are, are grown. But that's the ways away. So I got to make sure I draw on those memories and those experiences and soak that time frame in and put that into my music. So I think basically everything I'm doing right now is just with a little bit more of fine tuning and definitely more intention behind things. Well, look forward to that. That must sum up where drink, cuss, or fish comes from. I mean, that's, that's, that's the stuff you're, you're probably not going to have as much time to do. Well, and thank you. You're, you're right. I mean, that's exactly the point behind that. And what we did is I thought to myself, okay, how can I, how can I have this big old party? And we, we shot a music video for it uh, out at the family farm in Alberta. And I just wanted to have a party with all my band members and everything like that. So what I did is I talked to the local RV dealership called Smill Motors and RV in St. Paul, my hometown. And I rented like a dozen RVs. So all my band came out with all of their, uh, all of their kids. And I had a bunch of my little cousins who are like in their, in their teens. And I said, look, I'll pay you guys each like 50 bucks so that you can babysit all these kids. And all of us adults were just going to go like literally buck wild. And we just went crazy. We, we drank beer. We shot guns. We did everything that we could that was as redneck as we could make it. And we just filmed it all. So it made for a fun music video. And it's great for the adults to get out and booze a little bit. How amazing is that? Because people watch the video and, and don't necessarily think, yeah, that, that was a real thing that happened. Because everything in videos tends to not be so real. You know, hold this gun, pretend you're shooting it. Hey, drink this beer, but don't drink it. You guys were doing it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was great. That was the biggest thing. Is I told, you know, my buddy Ben Dartnell, who does videography for me, you know, full time on our team. And, and I said, look, I'm going to throw a party. You're just to capture the party. There's no script here. If we get a good video out of it, great. If not, doesn't matter. It's all about the party. And that's one of the things that I've really tried to do over the last couple of years is to truly celebrate the big moments. We had an incredible summer last year, got a great summer that's coming to an end this year. And we're going to put a big exclamation point on it when we hit the stage at Park Jam. Everybody who's ever seen me in London knows that I love the city and knows that I try my very best to pull out all the stops to make it either the most memorable show of the tour or the summer or the year. And that's my intention for our show, uh, obviously, at Harris Park. Brett Kissel with us on London Live, set to play Park Jam tomorrow night. New song debuts tomorrow on Country 104, 6 a.m., so set the alarm. Now, you're a guy, St. Paul, you mentioned, is, is right near Edmonton. You got to sing O Canada at the Grey Cup. What is it like to perform the national anthem in a setting like that? It's really special. You know, I think the glitz and the glamour of, you know, the biggest night at football for the CFL is, is a huge opportunity for me. There were a lot of sentimental things that were going on because I remember watching the Great Cup in 1997 with my dad 
and my brother. I was seven years old watching it at Commonwealth Stadium, you know, freezing our faces off. And it was just a, a great moment to now invite my dad and my brother back, this time not in the nosebleeds, this time on the sidelines, to obviously watch the biggest, uh, the biggest day in the CFL and sing the anthem. A lot of people always ask me if I get nervous to do the anthems, and, and the answer is no. You know what? I, I've sung the song a million times in the stands. For me, it's no different to be on the field. You sing it, you sing it well, you sing it fast, you get off the field, play football. <laughs> okay, one final question. We're getting close to hockey season. You mentioned you're keeping up with everything as best as you can in between, I'm sure, diaper changes and, uh, and all kinds of other stuff. <laughs> yeah. your, your Oilers, how are your Oilers going to do? Uh, we're going to do well, and, and I'll tell you why. Because I think it's it's all about a, a, a it's all about a mindset. Um, you, you look at how poorly the St. Louis Blues were doing up until January. That was the big story of of the last season. You look at a team that was not supposed to do well the season before in the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, every team now in the National Hockey League truly has a chance to win, and and we've got the best player in the game. I know that we've made a, a few changes. We still need to, I think, beef up our, our defense some way, somehow. But we're going to do that because I think Ken Holland is an incredible uh, GM. I've even had an opportunity to – I sat with him on a, on a flight uh, from Halifax back to Edmonton earlier this summer. And, uh, and I didn't want to disrupt him with too much hockey talk, but he seemed to be enjoying it. He asked me a bunch of questions about music. I asked him a bunch of questions about, uh, obviously, about uh, the sport of hockey and the Oilers. And uh, he's he's passionate about the team. I'm passionate about the team. I've heard it straight from him. Uh, we're going to the playoffs, and that's uh, that's exactly what what I wanted to hear. Love it. Well, Brett, we love having you in this city. Can't wait for tomorrow night. Thanks so much for the time. Good luck at the CCMAs, and just keep going. Uh, buddy, pleasure's all mine. Thank you very much. And, yeah, Friday's going to be great. And if anybody has a little extra time over the weekend, this is Friday and Saturday, I'm going to make a little proclamation right here on London Live, is that I'm up for the Fans' Choice Award. That's on Sunday. They're going to give out that award. Unlike other years, you could only vote once. Now you can literally vote as many times as you want. And the website is ccmafanvote.com. You scroll through. If you vote for me, I'm going to bring that trophy back to London like it's the Stanley Cup, and we will party our faces off. Yes. Yes. Drink, cuss, or fish. 100%. Brett, all the best. Thanks, dude. <laughs> Brett Kessel. Okay. Are we ready to go there? You can vote as many times as you want. CCMAFanVote.com. Go there, ccmafanvote.com. Let's vote. I'm going there now. I think I'm eligible to vote, right? CC, am I old enough? ccmafanvote.com because Brett says he will bring that trophy to London and we will have ourselves a very good time. That is Brett Kissel. He's on stage tomorrow at Park Jam. See, how he's that enthusiastic in life. He's just a phenomenal human being, but he does mean it. When he talks about London, Ontario, and so many artists mean it. They will say the fans here are amazing. Jojo Mason said it once. that He remembered looking out in the crowd and they're singing his song back to him. It was one of the first times he'd had that experience. And just looking and saying, yeah, I, I wrote those lyrics. I never, never thought someone would be singing them back like that. It, incredible. So... CCMAFanVote.com. I am on the site right now. Oh, this this is really easy. Okay. They've got everybody's picture. There. I just voted. And I, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm voting for Brett Kissel because I want that party to happen here in London. 
Okay, we're going to do something on London Live that we have never done before. I'm going to be completely honest about this. I have a daughter who has not been playing with dolls for uh, quite a while. I, I've combed Barbie hair in my day. I have found shoes from Polly Pockets all over the place. But we're going to play with dolls on London Live right now because we happen to have with us in studio a couple of people who have been responsible for a very interesting story in London, Ontario that hasn't quite been told yet, but is now being told. Misty and Carter, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Let's just describe for a moment what I'm holding in my hands. And and Misty, if I don't get this right, Carter, if I don't get this right, uh, correct me. I'm holding a nun. It's, It's a doll. It's about a foot and a half high, maybe 36 inches. And as I flip back just a little bit and turn the doll around... There's kind of a ghoulish nun face on this doll. Black around the eyes, black lips. There are other black lines on the doll's face. It looks like something out of an absolute horror movie. But because we're talking with Misty of Miss T's Horror Dolls, it all seems to fit. Misty, tell us a little bit about why this doll and others like it have come into existence. Well, um, my son that you've mentioned that's here with me today, um, we saw a meme that went around on Facebook that says, um, uh, screw you, elf on the shelf. Um, I'm bringing bringing dolls in the halls for October. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, it was pretty funny. So I showed my son and he was, I was like, oh, I'm so doing this. And he was like, no, you're not. (laughs) So, uh, of course, I had to do it. Um, so that's kind of how it started. So I actually, um, was out at Lens Mills store getting some art supplies and I saw a creepy antique shop right beside. So I went in there and found the creepiest antique, uh, porcelain doll I could find. And I set it up to scare him and it scared him a little bit, but nothing like I had hoped. So I said, well, I'm just going to have to make her creepier and then I'll hide her when you least expect it. So that's kind of how it started. I started painting just the one doll to freak him out, and it turned into something that I was really enjoying, and here we are. Now I've got, like, a slew of people interested in them and a group and everything on Facebook now. You've done a great job doing this. Art has to be a thing that's been in your life for a while. It was. um, Truthfully, um, I struggled with a lot of chronic pain, and... Some of my larger scale art I wasn't able to do anymore. So I actually am grateful that I have found a way to bring art back into my life, actually. We are talking with Misty. Carter's here with us. And we're talking about Miss T's Horror Dolls. So when it all of a sudden came around that this this seemed to work and there seemed to be an interest... Did you head back out to get more dolls and turn this into <laughs> something uh, I pretty bought, big? I bought 70 Right off the hop, because I I would just, like I said, being able to bring my art back into my life was kind of exciting for me. So I was like, I need to do this. And I just posted on a couple of buy and sell pages on Facebook and a girl messaged me and said, I've got 70 dolls. And I said, "Okay." I made her an offer and that's kind of how it started. And now people, anytime they see them on Facebook or the buy and sells, I'm getting tagged and. 
Yeah, I have people going to thrift stores and grabbing them and dropping them off as donations just to see what I can do with them. So yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So the reaction has been pretty big and you're just getting going. It's honestly been a week and a half. <laughs> <laughs> so, and now you're making more dolls. Where are you getting the inspiration from a lot of these? This one uh, this that is one the is nun that we described. Actually from the movie The Nun. That was the inspiration for that particular one. Um, other ones, I just kind of look up just horror movies or face makeup for Halloween, and then I just kind of put my twist and incorporate it on the doll's face. That's kind of how I'm going right now. And you, the odd person like messaged me the other day and said to do a zombie one, and I have in the bin there a really cool zombie one that I just did last yesterday as well. So we are talking with Misty Craig, and we're talking about Miss T's. Horror dolls, and it's not even Halloween yet, but these are going to be a hit when Halloween gets a whole lot closer. Now, are you a horror movie fan? I absolutely am. Yeah? I love the scarier the better. Yeah, and I ironically, there's not too many that scare me. So, really? Yeah. Okay. So now, hey, let, let's because Halloween's coming and and horror movies will become more popular. For someone who is not scared by horror movies, was there ever a horror movie? Absolutely. Um, I have to say, the original Exorcist got me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And is there anything? I mean, this doll with the nun uniform on it could easily be in the Exorcist. Have you done any Exorcist inspired dolls yet? Um, the first one I did kind of looks a little bit like Regan from The Exorcist. It just happened to turn out that way, but <laughs> it wasn't necessarily inspired by her. It just kind of is what happened when I was painting her. So, Are there any limitations to what you will and won't do on the doll? Like, are you, are you changing arms or anything like uh, that? Yeah, I have one that is a zombie whose arm is deformed and bent backwards, and then I'm in the process right now of making one where the leg has been chewed off. Okay. All right. I love the creativity. <laughs> this is amazing stuff. And these still are all about the same size dolls? Um, there's – it's literally whatever I get. Like I just did a little private one for somebody who wanted one for her, their son that was like this big here. So – and then I the zombie one that I was just telling you about, she's actually quite large. So it's whatever I have that – comes in stock and I just do it. Okay. But average, most of them are that size, yes. We are tweeting out and, and the links will be available on our social media to how to find these dolls. But if you were to tell somebody right now how to get in touch with you or how to find the look of these dolls, where do you want them to go? Um, right now, I'm just currently using Miss um, T's. It's M-I-S-S, capital T, apostrophe S, Horror Dolls on Facebook. Great. And, and each one of them group. comes with a little story, too. They do, yeah. They come with a little handwritten story, just like either a little blip or whatever. Um, and then it has the name of the doll as well as the date that I created the doll. And handwritten just somehow makes it seem creepier. I, that's kind of what I was going for. <laughs> <laughs> well, well done. This is something that has never been done before. And already, like you say, after a week and a half, it's been a big hit. Misty, best of luck with this. I can't wait to talk after Mattel has called you and said, you know oh. what? We, uh, we need to talk. Thank you. I appreciate that. You've been listening to the London Live podcast. Catch the show live on weekdays from 1 to 3. 